Welcome to The Liberated Life. Get ready to free your mind, body, and spirit in business and pleasure. Now here's your host, Robin Quinn Keen. Welcome to The Liberated Life. This is Robin Quinn Keen. So great to have you here today. I have a friend of mine, Sharice Alexander, here with me today, and I'm so excited to talk with her. She's a business networking coach who helps entrepreneurs create profitable partnerships through authentic connection. She's speaking my language. Sharice went from being a PhD candidate at an Ivy League school to being homeless in New York City at the height of the 2008 recession. Wow. That experience taught her that while achievements and degrees are something to be proud of, human connection is the most valuable asset a person could have. Now she teaches entrepreneurs the power of making a micro-impact, one person at a time, in order to grow their network and their business. Welcome, Sharice. I'm really happy to have you here. Hi, Robin. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you today. You have quite the story. When I met you, I would never in a million years have dreamed that you were homeless in New York City in 2008. That, that must be quite a story. Are you willing to share some of that with us? Yeah. You know, have you ever heard this saying, your, your mess is your message? Yes. Something like that. Yeah. So I've heard that saying before too. And I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. But it actually has become true for me over the past several weeks. We are kind of in the middle of the coronavirus um, pandemic right now. And when we got the first stay at home order, I, from then till now, several months into this, I've been on so many shows really sharing that story um, that I call that part of my life, the great dark period. Um, because I would never talk about it before, but recently I've been talking about it a lot because I think not only has it changed and shaped who I am as a person, not only has it driven kind of the foundations of why I'm in business and why I do what I do, but also is very relevant to what people are afraid of right now. People are facing a lot of crisis and um, indecision. And that's kind of like, you know, we have the American dream. That's kind of like the American nightmare is that you're going to end up homeless and living under a bridge or something like that. Thank God I wasn't living under a bridge, but right. that's kind of what, what we fear. And so I think it's, just really timely to share how I've come out of that situation to the other side. I'm absolutely happy to tell you. That'd be great. Yeah. And you are on the other side. I mean, like I said, I, I had no idea that was something you had gone through. And I know that must have been really epic in your life. And so I would love to hear, and I love who you are. And so oh, I, I know that every experience we have, right, it has the opportunity to shape us and grow us. Um, I always call them opportunities for personal growth. I've never had anything that extreme. Um, but I, so yes, I would love to hear a little bit about that story. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I just do want to acknowledge you, Robin, maybe you haven't had this exact situation, but you have had extreme challenges in your life that I have not had. So, you know, we all have our, we all have our own cross to bear. It's just a matter of whether or not we choose to grow from them. So I, I appreciate that. Okay. So Taking a little bit of a step back, my background is in science. I am a trained microbiologist, which means I'm a germ expert. So growing up, I'd always wanted to be a microbiologist. That was like always the thing I wanted to do. I wanted to find a cure for AIDS. But then when I was a little girl, I remember telling my dad that and then saying, you know what, they'll have a cure for AIDS by the time I'm grown. I don't even need to worry about that. It'll be some new crazy virus, which I was partially right about. Um, but anyways, so going into graduate school, I was there to study medical microbiology to, to win the Nobel Prize and change the world. That was my goal. And I was the first in my family to go to college, let alone graduate school. So I was like feeling pretty proud, but also a little bit snobby. You know, I was definitely, I was a middle class, lower middle class family growing up. We were like 
barely above the poverty line. So I didn't have a lot of stuff to brag about, but I was super proud about my academic accomplishments. I was like, yeah, that's one thing that, you know, I can say that other people can't say I'm at this fancy Ivy League school and all of this. And then I realized that the way that I was helping the world was contributing kind of like, I like to say it's like a brick in a cathedral. And you don't know if your brick's the first brick or the last brick or one of the 10 million bricks in the middle. And you just can't see it until it's done. And I just didn't want my life to not have an impact until 150 years after my death. So Mm -hmm. I thought I need something more like impactful, more tangible, more real. And so I left graduate school at the worst possible time um, in 2008. And I couldn't get a job anywhere. Like I couldn't get a job at McDonald's or Starbucks or anywhere because there just were no jobs. And so, um, so that's how I kind of ended up homeless. I was in New York for school and then I was in New York for nothing, I guess. And I remember calling my mom shortly after I became homeless and I had just gotten a job as a professor that was going to start that following week. So I was sitting on a street corner in, in Brooklyn on one piece of luggage with like all my earthly possessions. And I was crying in the middle of the street, like boohoo crying, like ugly crying. And I'm not a crier and I certainly don't cry in public. And I was boohoo crying on the, on the corner. And I called my mom and I was just like, I don't know where I've gone wrong in life. I am such a loser. Like, I'm just like, I, I mean, I tend to take like a lot of personal responsibility sometimes for stuff that I didn't cause, like the recession, for example, I didn't cause that, but I was just like, it's all my fault, you know? And I was just like bawling and my mom was, you know, I was just like, I just, I can't do this. And my mom said, you know what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I think if you can, you should stay, you should, you know, stay in that situation, become a professor, teach, because if you don't do that, I think you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. And she was absolutely right. She was absolutely right. And so I was like, all right, I, I can do this. I will stay. And I ended up going into um, a shelter that was like this converted warehouse at the end of Brooklyn, stuffed full of all of these different women of all different backgrounds, which is where I learned this huge lesson that you can't judge a book by its cover because I'm sitting there next to, you know, I've got this, these fancy degrees and all of this. And I'm sitting next to somebody who didn't finish high school So what difference does it make, you know, or like our backgrounds or our, like anything, like the face of homelessness changed for me. I realized being in that situation that it really could be anybody. Um, And and a lot of Americans are experiencing that situation right now where they're like, oh, now I can't pay pay my rent. And without the government coming to step in, like a lot of people would be in that situation. So you just never know. You can't tell by looking at someone, their background or experiences or what's going on with them right now. And that was huge for me because laying in that cot in that warehouse, I remember thinking to myself, at the end of my life, am I going to look around and hope that there are more degrees on the wall or fancy awards or something like that? I was like, no, I won't care about that at all on my deathbed. Like not even a little bit. What I really want on my deathbed, if I live old enough to have a deathbed, is to have a bunch of people around me like crying because they're sad because it actually impacted their life and they're going to miss me. And so that was a huge reframe for me. Like, okay, um, it's not just about helping people in like a sterile, distant way that I was kind of picturing doing it through science um, in like a really indirect way, but it's really about connection. It's really about meaningful connection. That's what it's all about. Wow, Sharice. Well, you know, you think about homelessness and I have a couple of friends who have been homeless at different times and it's the great equalizer, Mm -hmm. right? think you're at a certain point you think you're at a certain level of whatever that is and then yeah and then you are homeless and you're next to people that are all the equal the equal part of it is that you're homeless that's what that's the playing field you're playing on right then 
and I've, I've heard similar things. So that was a huge breakthrough for you. I wonder if that hadn't happened. I know we never get to know the other story, but I, I still wonder if somewhere in your um, scholarly pursuits, you would have landed in the same place of like, this is not satisfying. I kind oh, of- for sure, for sure. Even in graduate school, I mean, that's why I left because I was like, this is not satisfying what I want it to satisfy. I no. couldn't put my finger on what it was though. Mm-hmm. And it was being homeless that helped me, helped me in a really strong way to figure out what's most important to me. It's just like a, it's, it's something that happens, you know, some people have this for their midlife crisis or their quarter life crisis. Others have this when something really dramatic shifts in their life, like maybe the, a death of a loved one or a divorce or a birth of a child or something like that, that makes you re, readjust what you value. And right. that just, that just happened to be my moment. My moment happened to be through homelessness, but I think this happens to everybody. We have these, these moments in our life where we go, wait a minute, what's really important here. I've been running on autopilot for a while mm-hmm. and I can tell you had I stayed in graduate school, I'd be a very bitter, miserable person right now because I would not like it. I would not be satisfied, but I also would not quit because I had spent so much time invested in it that I would have felt obligated to see it through to death. So thank God that I got out of that situation. Yeah. You have mentioned that relationships are important to you and you, you are a networking specialist, Mm -hmm. but you're also, tell me more about that. I think you do a lot with like having some kind of influence or tell me more about that work that you do, Sharice. Yeah. So I help entrepreneurs to connect with potential mentors, um, clients and partners and influencers at live events. So I kind of teach all those tips and tricks for connecting to people you haven't known and just kind of being magnetic, being charismatic, um, how to approach people, how to follow up with people. Um, it's called uh, relationship marketing, but nobody uses that phrase. <laughs> nobody says that ever. So I say uh, networking because everybody uses that phrase and everyone hates it. So it's a little bit of being between a rock and a hard, hard place. But yeah, I help um, entrepreneurs to kind of develop those advanced social skills to connect with people in a really strategic way. Because I think a lot of people can go to um, conferences or live events and learn a lot of good material, but not come out of it with any major ROI. Or they can go into it and because they're maybe naturally gifted with people, come out with a lot of friends or like a lot of great conversations, but they don't know where to take that. They don't know how to follow up. They don't know what to do next. How do they turn those conversations into cash? Or they make a big mistake that I see a lot of entrepreneurs make at live events where they go to an event full of a ton of people and they hunt and peck for their perfect client. So they spend all this time and money and energy and effort to come out with, let's say 10 clients. Instead, they could go and put that same amount of money, effort, and energy into finding 10 perfect partners, partners who have a whole audience full of perfect clients. And that would be so much better use of their time. So I kind of teach those sorts of things. I've gone to a lot of live events and usually when I'm there, I'm getting the content and making new friends, but I haven't, I would say when I first started going to live events, which was about six years ago, I never even considered an alternative to just going and getting great value from the content. I always made new friends. I don't know if I ever picked up clients because that wasn't my intention. Mm -hmm. So you're saying there's really, if you're going to go and do that, you should go with some kind of strategy in your pocket. You should be thinking about a potential outcome that you'd like beyond the learning that goes on. 
Absolutely. Because here's the thing, a lot of the stuff that you're going to learn at the, at the live event, most likely you can also learn in some alternative way. Like if you're going to some person's event um, who is an online entrepreneur, they probably have that same material in a course, in a book, in a podcast, like on their blog, like in lots of places. So if it was just about knowledge, you don't need a live event for simply knowledge. You need a live event for the people. That's the piece you don't get by being just in a course necessarily or by just reading a book or, or reading a blog. And so um, I have this uh, PDF called the Conference Networking Blueprint where I talk about the four types of people that you want to be looking for in events. And I'm um, trying to remember off the top of my head, but one is clients because that's you know one thing that people go with the intention to find. Um, one is partners. Um, one is mentors. And then one is what I call X factors. And those are just cool people doing cool things. Those are those people you just click with and you can't really see a way how, of how you would do business together with them, but you don't have to see a way. You just need them in your life because you enjoy them. So that's the fourth type of person that you're looking for. So when you go to a live event, I definitely recommend having an intention. You don't have to find all of those people all at once. It's a bit overwhelming, but definitely knowing like why you're going there and what you're looking for. What does success look like to you? So that way, when you walk out, you know if you've gotten an ROI or not. Yeah, that's very interesting. When I first started going to events, the first live event that I went to was about six years ago, and it was Mastermind to Millions with Jay Fassett. That was, I think, his very first Mastermind to Millions that he did. And I didn't know what to expect. I had a music and dance studio. I was all wrapped up in what I was doing, and I wasn't wrapped up in that. So that was new to me. And you know, it's funny looking back, I probably did seem like the new girl, right? Because <laughs> I was just there. And, um, and when I think back, though, through that exposure and going to more of his events in particular, I did meet some of those X factor people that you're talking about. In fact, there were five or six people that I connected with through Jay that ended up being we all mastermind we were all entrepreneurs and we were all at a similar place and so we literally have been in a mastermind together for two or three years we just ended it um right before all of the coronavirus stuff happened we just had decided okay i think we'd been together three years but yeah those people made a phenomenal difference and they will be my friends forever which is really great and it came from a live event for sure that's but, such a beautiful story I, so the piece that's fascinating to me too, Sharice, is it can be a place to find mentors. Mm -hmm. And that for me has been a really big part of my life. I've always had a mentor, just somebody who's come out of the woodwork. It's always been a man, but started when I was in um, college. I had I had, was an intern at the Department of Energy and Gordon Vandertil was my boss, uh, the director of intergovernmental affairs. It was an amazing position to have, but he became my mentor. And like that is, that for me would be a huge ROI just to mm -hmm. find a mentor. You know, it's not a coach, it's on a different level, but that would be a great intention to set. I love that. Never really thought about that. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing with mentors is we are living in such a rich uh, age, like informationally, informationally speaking. I don't even know if that's a word, but um, because we can get mentors from books and podcasts and every other kind of thing. Like I mentioned already from courses, like we can get the knowledge of someone who's gone before us, which is really what a mentor does for us. The benefit of also going to a live event is that a lot of times these people are not reachable. 
right? These people who are writing courses and, and all this stuff, like there's just, there's no space to connect with them because their plates are really, really full as are all of ours. But at a live event, you've all carved out that time to be there. So that's a great time to connect with mentors you already had, who you know are going to this event. That's a great time to be like, hey, now we get to meet in person. And I've done that before. And it's, it's really fun to, to meet um, influencers and industry leaders who I admire and respect at, at different events or even at their own events where I can just say, hey, I really appreciate this effect that you've had on my life and actually have a name with a face, you know, and, and all of that stuff is really cool. In addition, there's so many people that I've met who've been kind of like these flyby mentors, right? People I wasn't expecting. For example, I went to this conference a couple of years ago and I was talking about, um, I think I was talking about my target audience or something like that, or the hero's journey. I don't know. And this guy was talking to me and he's just like this marketing genius. And he has like all this background and all this stuff. I didn't know. I, I just met him. And he was like, look, you should read this book by Donald Miller called story brand. And I was like, okay, what's that? And he was like, okay, here's the whole background of story brand, which by the way, if you guys haven't read it, you should read it. Um, or do what I did and listen to the audiobook. <laughs> so, um, so I was like, yeah, so we were talking about it. And then he's like, yes, here's how you do your messaging. Here's how you do your copy. Here's what you need to do for your ads that you run on Facebook. And he was like, you know what? Read this book, put together an ad, send it to me and I'll proofread it for you. And I'll like fix up your copy. And I was like, okay. And then later on, I found out that this is like his, you know, this is his thing that he does all day, every day. And I can't count the number of times that I've been gifted some incredible amount of experience and that mentorship where people tell you the pitfalls. That's like the value of a mentor, right? Is where you say, I have this great idea. And then they say, well, let me tell you what happens at the end of that road. And then you're like, whoops, <laughs> and they go, to, go this way instead. And you're like, oh, thank you so much. So yeah, that's like so helpful. And it's so, it's so plentiful if you're going to really quality conferences for what you're looking for. That's wonderful. Yeah. What a difference that can make. So do you have a strategy? Like, do you have a program with strategy or how do you help people know what to do, Sharice? I do. I have a, a couple programs actually, but I have one program specifically that's bundled together and it's called the conference networking bundle. Kind of makes sense. <laughs> so one of the courses is called conversation mastery. So it's how to have compelling conversations with people in a way that's not boring or awkward or weird. I know awkward conversations is like a fear of everybody, but especially for introverts, because you're like, man, I took all the, I took all that energy and effort to like start a conversation or jump into a conversation and now it's fizzling out and I don't know what to do. So I have a, a course that's all about how to have conversations that are meaningful and that help you to get those authentic connections. And then the second course in the bundle is called Memorable, How to Stand Out in a Crowd. And it's, I mean, it's just that it's how to not fade into the background. And this is especially helpful when we're talking about those influencers or industry leaders at an event where maybe there's like a bunch of people trying to get their attention. Um, there are different things that you can do, different strategies to stand out to them in a way that's not spammy or desperate or being a total fangirl or fanboy. And then the third course is called uh, magnetic, how to draw people to you without a word. So it's, it's a lot about body language and kind of the, for lack of a better word, the type of energy that you bring that draws the right people to you. And you don't want to actually draw everybody to you, although sometimes that is the effect, <laughs> but you don't want to draw everybody to you. You want to draw the right people to you. You want to be not just a magnet because magnets have two sides. One side of the magnet pulls another magnet, the other side repels it. And you kind of want that. You don't want to be vanilla. You don't want to be bland. You want to be Rocky Road. You want people to love it or hate it. I love that. That's awesome. 
So I have a question for virtual events because in the current situation, mm-hmm. I've been to so many, I've been to like four virtual events and I've had my own, my own three-day virtual event, 30 hours on Zoom, my goodness. So, so impressive. Oh, it was fun, but wow, that, you know, I made myself a standing desk because I knew I was going to be in trouble sitting that much. Challenging for sure, but my question really is in a virtual environment, Sharice, how do we connect with influencers? Because we can bring whatever energy we bring, right? Like mm-hmm. I bring myself to my events. I don't like sit back and because I'm at home, not behave the same way. Mm-hmm. But it's, but what I noticed at the event that I did when I was the person in charge, I did not, I did not connect as deeply with people as I normally do mm-hmm. because I wasn't in the room with them. And so those events are always challenging for me anyway when I do them live because, you know, when you're the event coordinator and you're the one that's speaking for most of the hours, mm-hmm. it's hard to have the bandwidth to connect. However, regardless of that, how do we connect with people when we're online and not in a room where people could just mm-hmm. come up and stand next to you and insert themselves in a conversation or find you magnetic and walk across the room to you, right? That's mm-hmm. not really how it's going right now. Yeah, that's a great question. And it kind of depends on who you, like your intention, who, who you're trying to attract. So it would be different advice if you're trying to attract a perfect client or a perfect partner or an influencer. Let's say you're trying to attract an influencer and the influencer is the one hosting the event. So at the live event, during the calls or whatever, is not really the best time to get their attention because they are very scattered because they're trying to run a whole thing. And that's actually where people shoot themselves in the foot, even in person, right? Where you go to the event host, like the person whose face is on everything and they're like running to the bathroom or something and you stop them and you're like, Hey, I want to talk to you and da da da. And did you get my email? This actually happened at a conference I was at where this, I was talking to the person hosting the entire event. And, um, you know, we were just chatting and some guy walks up and is like, Hey, did you get my email? And I was like, did he get your email? He gets like thousands of emails a day. Like what would, why would you think? Yeah. So I just was like really shocked. And he, he had such a gracious answer. He was just like, you know, man, I get a lot of emails. You know, he had a really gracious answer, but I, I was standing right next to him and I was just like, dude, dude, like, come on, no, (laughs) come on. But, um, yeah, so that's not the perfect time, but here's what you could do. Um, if there's a, if there's a committed Facebook group for that event, you can be really active in the Facebook group and be active by contributing. So one cool thing that happened at a recent event that you and I were both at is that um, there was a person there who was copying and pasting all the good quotes that people were saying and putting them into the Facebook group and like tagging them and saying, oh, this was a great quote from so-and-so. This is a great great quote from so-and-so. That's a good way to add value because everybody can go back to those quotes and your name is attached to that because you were the, the quote keeper or whatever. Like that's a great thing. Anything that helps basically is really, really always appreciated. If the person who is hosting and speaking re- refers to something like, oh, you guys should all read Story Brand by Donald Miller, then you can be like, oh, you can go get that link from Amazon and pop it into the chat. And now everyone has that link and it's like, oh, that was super helpful. So basically in that scenario, what you're trying to do is be like, almost be an assistant with what they're trying to do in a non-invasive, non-creepy way. So um, those are things you can do. You're probably not going to get a ton of attention at that moment because they're busy, but they can, they will remember that you contributed and then they can go back to the Facebook group and see how you've contributed. Um, does that, does that help answer your question? Oh yeah, that's a terrific idea. I really see that. And when I had my three day event, 
there were some people that were doing that. And so I gave him a shout out. In fact, I was even on a, a call this morning and I, a couple of guys I know that are digital marketers hosted the webinar. And so I thought, oh, I'm just going to go see what they have to say because I like them and I work with them. I mean, I use them. They're my web guys. And so I popped in and I said, good morning. And then they said something and later on I was like, oh yeah, you guys totally know how to do that, right? Well, I got a personal email from both of them afterwards saying, wow, thank you so much for being there and thank you for commenting. Like, and how are you doing? And I like when you're saying this, that's what I'm that's what's coming up for me is I noticed when people supported me and mm -hmm. they noticed when I supported them today and they mm -hmm. sent me a personal email, which I would never have in a million years expected that, but it was like, Oh, you noticed that I was being supportive. So mm -hmm. I totally see that that's a way to, to show up and it's in service mm -hmm. and it's a double it's in service and you might get noticed and it's you totally counterintuitive. You yeah. give to, you give to get, but the way it works is you give to give <laughs> and then you get right. So if, if someone's doing this with, with some ulterior motives of like, aha, this is how I'm going to get them then that's going to blow up in your face and you're going to be really embarrassed. But if you're just like, man, I really appreciate Robin and I just love what she has to do. And I would just, I would love to be more of a part of her world. I'm so excited. I get to go to her event. I'm going to like play full out at her events and I'm going to do like, I'm going to support her. I'm going to like do whatever I can. I'm going to find different ways that I can help her out. That is so sincere and authentic. Not only is it helpful, but it's real. Mm -hmm. It's real. So if there's somebody who is in, your world to those of you who are listening to this right now that you um, respect and admire, think of ways that you can be in service to them. If there are people in your world who are industry leaders that you don't respect and you don't admire, then feel free to let them go by. There's no reason why you need to be in their world if already you don't feel like there's alignment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how can we tie this back to liberation and freedom, Sharice, since this is the liberated life? I'm thinking what it could be is that just even what you said right there, like pick who you want to play with, pick who you want to support. Mm -hmm. There's a big wide world out there of plenty of awesome people. And when you align with somebody, you're not, you're not living in FOMO, right? You're mm -hmm. not fear of missing out. If you're, if you're sure this is the person I want to meet, this is the person I want to support. This is the community I'm interested in playing in. Playful out in that community. That's going to get you way further than like just dribbling in on a bunch of communities and, you know, not really shining and not really playing. That takes a lot of time and energy. It does. And, and it's funny. It takes a lot of time and energy either way, but you can spend your time and energy strategically by choosing the communities you want to be a part of and the people you want to serve and then putting all your eggs in those baskets. Or you can be less strategic by, like you said, just dribbling all over the place and you're not going to get that um, white hot laser focus anywhere. It's just going to be dissipated. Your, your energies are not going to give you a much of a return. And I would also add to that another piece of being liberated here is being authentic right? Just being authentically you is so powerful. That is how you become a people magnet. You be you. Like me, for example, one of the things I love is sci-fi. And um, I talk about it openly all the time. And people who are into sci-fi are just like, oh my gosh, did you see this latest show? Da -da -da. You know, and people who are not are kind of like, okay, that's cool. You know, or people would be like, I respect it. I don't really get it, but I respect it. Either way, it's not vanilla is the point, right? It's something that people remember. It sticks in their head because not because sci-fi is like special or unique to me, but because I'm willing to be authentic. And that's something that that homeless situation taught me that I don't have to put on airs. I don't have to pr 
be some, you know, prove that I'm somebody that I'm not, or, or try to make people think I'm a certain way, which was a big thing of being in academia at that place was like, you know, you have to drop certain names and all of that stuff, which I just like totally despise. Um, and you don't have to do that. So you have the freedom to be you. And that is what resonates. And that is what is attractive and magnetic. And that is what is going to get people's attention when you're looking at influencers, because you're probably only going to want to be with influencers who resonate with who you are. Right. So it just makes, it just makes all the sense in the world. 100%. And you know, the whole thing about going to events is when I started going to events, I went to one and then I was invited to another one. And then I was invited to another one and I went, I'm not really sure why I would go to that one. Right. And then, and then I ran into this woman that I'd met at the second event, like a year later at another event. Like I wasn't crazy about going to events. I had little kids and I, or, you know, teenage kids. And I was just like, I don't want to be gone that much. But what was really funny is when I talked to this one woman, I was like, Hey, I remember you. And she's like, I met you somewhere. And I was like, yeah, last year at this thing. And she's like, Oh, I've been to like 20 events since then, so I can kind of remember you, but I was like, you've what? Like, seriously? That's maybe too many. Unless oh. she was getting a huge ROI from every single event. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was shocked. Like, I didn't even know this world existed. And I certainly didn't know that there were people that were just like hooked on events. Yeah. So I, even, you know, in this conversation, Sharice, it's really clear, like pick pick who you want to be with, pick who you resonate with. Don't try and do everything. You don't want to connect with every influencer. If you don't even like their style, don't bother. Just pick the ones that you feel the most aligned with. Yeah. So it's so true. It's so true, Robin. There are a few influencers in my space, just, you know, in the online entrepreneurial world where their material is so good. Their content is really, really good their personalities don't fit with me. Like they just don't align. They don't match. Like when I read their stuff or I listen to their audiobooks, I'm like, man, this material's good. And we would probably not be friends if we went to high school together. That's kind of like the measure that I use. Like, would we hang out at the same, would we eat at the same table? Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, we totally would. We'd be best friends. And sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, no, like we would, ne we would never hang out. And so when I have those people in my world where I'm like, we would never hang out, I don't put them in my strategy, in my outreach strategy even yep. though they're, they're amazing in their field and all of that and very influential or who knows what, if we would not be friends, like there's no reason for me to, to point my energy there. I wouldn't be authentic. Mm -hmm. Well, I love your message, Sharice, and it really resonates. And in times where it all just feels so frenetic and there's so many things going on and we could do this, we could do that and coronavirus and this is online and that's online and this is online. We can really burn ourselves out. And so the idea of being more strategic about what we're doing and why we're doing it and what we're hoping to get from it and how we're going to show up there makes an awful lot of sense to me. Yep. So how do people find you, Sharice, if they wanted to work with you or get your tips on? I think you have like 10 tips for connecting with influencers. How do people mm -hmm. find you? So you guys can find me on my website, which is jvjoy.com. And the JV is like joint venture because I really believe in partnerships. So jvjoy.com. And if you want those 10 tips for connecting with influencers, you can go to jvjoy.com slash 10 tips. And that's the number 10. Perfect. Thank you for that. Yeah, I'm going to go check it out. Uh, I think that would be really helpful to have more strategic plans in my, in my future events that I attend. Thank you so much, Sharice. Well, it's been delightful having you here. Thank you so much for sharing your story 
too. Um, I can imagine at some point that wasn't something you really wanted to talk about. But like you said, biggest challenge is also our biggest gift Mm -hmm. really is. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you sharing that so freely with us. So thank you. And don't forget, you can find all of the information about Sharice and her 10 tips in the show notes. So be sure to check that out. And we'll see you again on the next episode of The Liberated Life. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also get more great information at quittingculture.com.
Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at quittingculture.com.